You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game. Warriors Wrap-Up starts now. Yes, it does. Welcome in, everybody. That was a tough one. I thought we were over losses like that. The last couple of weeks, it felt like the Warriors had turned a corner, but uh, tonight was a rough one. The Warriors blow a 15-point lead at home to the Clippers. The final score, 130-125. to 125. The Clippers... Uh, maybe sleepwalking through three quarters. They come out and they dominate in the fourth quarter, scoring 44 points in the fourth quarter alone, outscoring the Warriors 44-28 to in that fourth quarter en route to their five-point win, 130-125. to It closes the Clippers' first half of the season. They're now on the All-Star break, uh, and they did it uh, – on a positive note, the Warriors, though, suffering another rough loss. As we look at the Warriors now as the season continues, uh, they have the second most losses in the NBA when leading by at least 15 points at one point in those games. So losses when leading by 15 or more points this season. Uh, the Spurs have the most, seven of those such losses. The Warriors have the second most with six. No other team besides the Spurs has more than the Warriors. Six losses this year when leading by at least 15 points, and this is the second such loss against the Clippers. Remember, the Warriors had a 22-point lead against the Clippers down in L.A. earlier this season, and they lost that game as well. And this one is particularly frustrating because it's on the doorstep of what was the best stretch of Warriors basketball this whole season. Not just winners of five in a row, but winners of six of seven. Uh, this team was playing really, really good basketball. And it was the defensive end. They were getting the job done. Uh, it was uh, good efforts from Stephen Curry. Obviously, you expect that, but also Kaminga. And you saw a little bit more balance from Klay Thompson at times. You had Pajemski, of course. You had Andrew Wiggins playing better basketball. Draymond Green doing everything. It felt like a legitimately more repeatable brand of basketball for the Warriors, right? You weren't just relying on Stephen Curry to give you 40 points every night. You got more from others, and it felt like that was a legitimately um, good option for the Warriors moving forward, and one that was, uh, I don't want to say slump-proof, or one that was going to show up every single night, but the Warriors had enough people contributing during this win streak that you felt like, all right, someone has a bad game, uh, we'll be fine, because we'll be able to rely on the others. And and tonight, it, it, it all came crashing down, despite the fact that it was great for three-plus quarters. I mean, through three quarters, and, and really the first few minutes of the fourth, I don't know how you guys felt, but it felt to me like this was a, a game where the Warriors were just going to cruise to victory, leading by around 10 points the whole night, and you know maybe it gets close, but... They're going to have an answer, and, and ultimately win, they'll win this game by, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 points, and then they'll get ready for Utah and try to close out the first half in a positive note. And and maybe we let the last two weeks, uh, you know, be too present in the front of our minds as we were watching this game um, because this felt like a game straight out of a month ago. That, that homestand from hell when the Warriors got blown out by the Pelicans and blown out by the Raptors and they blew that big lead against the Nuggets in the fourth quarter. This felt like that kind of game. And again, the Warriors have had a number of these games, but it's been a little bit of time. And again, it's on the backdrop of their best, best stretch of basketball this whole season, which is what makes this one all the more frustrating. So uh, let's sort through it. 
I'm here with you guys on 95.7 The Game, and I want to hear from you. What went wrong in this one? Obviously, there was some uh, mental mistakes. Clay Thompson committing a foul with 39 seconds left when the Warriors were down just three after the Warriors got a bucket to cut the deficit to just three. He fouls, you know, just when the Clippers inbound the ball underneath the Warriors' own basket. Like 94 feet from the opposing basket, the Warriors over the limit, so that means free throws. Uh, the Warriors would cut it back down to three. Then they'd get a stop, but they can't get an offensive rebound. Rebounding was an issue in the fourth quarter. After, for the most part, three good quarters, and specifically the first half, uh, the Warriors did a good job not fouling the Clippers, and we know how much this Clipper team likes to get to the free throw line. I mean, they have James Harden on their team after all. Uh, the Warriors suddenly started fouling over and over and over again. The Clippers used that and hot shooting from downtown as a way to get back in this game and ultimately win the game. Um, the Warriors took care of the ball really well in this game as a whole. Uh, the Warriors, from start to finish in this game, they committed uh, just nine turnovers. Nine turnovers in this game for the Warriors, but you look at what happened in the fourth quarter specifically, and they committed four of those turnovers. So nearly half of the Warriors' turnovers came in the fourth. Now, four turnovers in a single quarter isn't terrible. The Warriors, I think, would take a 16-turnover game for the most part. It's not great, but they've certainly had worse. They've had well worse. Um, but when you only had nine all game, you had your worst quarter taking care of the ball in the fourth quarter. You fouled a ton. You were leaving Norman Powell wide open over and over and over again. Uh, and it just felt like, now we've seen this before, but at the same time, it was a little shocking because we hadn't seen it recently. And we've all thought, all right, the Warriors are turning a corner. Don't look now. They're above 500. Don't look now. They're back into the play-in. Don't look now. If they keep this up, they're going to be a team that no one wants to play in the playoffs. And they just can't quite get over the hump. I mean, every single time when the Warriors have strung together wins like this, and this was now the third Warriors five-game winning streak of the season, they've never gotten that sixth consecutive win. And oftentimes, times when they're playing well, when when you think maybe they finally convinced you that they've changed a corner, uh, they kind of lay an egg like this. And to their credit, this really wasn't an egg through three quarters. They were playing damn good basketball. And I think it's important to say that this Clippers team, even without Kawhi Leonard, is still a really good basketball team. But the Warriors, you're at home. You're you're going up against the Kawhi-less Clippers. They also are down a couple of bench guys who are upset at the franchise, and they sent them home. Like, this is a game. If you have legitimate desires on trying to get to the playoffs and make some noise, you got to win this game. You got to win this game. And the Warriors put together one of their worst quarters of the year in that fourth quarter. Again, they allow 44 points in the fourth quarter. It's the second most points they've allowed in a fourth quarter this season. 44 points allowed. The Clippers outscore the Warriors 44 to 28. And we can talk about all the good through three quarters. Um, but the focus tonight is really going to be on these first or on the final 12 minutes of this game, the final quarter. Warriors get beat on the glass. They turn the ball over. They foul the Clippers, and the Clippers wide open three after wide open three. Uh, Norman Powell was great in the fourth. He made four three-pointers, I think all from the corner. Amir Coffey hit a big one, his only shot of the quarter uh, from the corner uh, of the quarter from the corner. Uh, I think that gave them the lead in the final minute as well. Uh, a, a lot, a lot to be frustrated by uh, if you're a Warrior fan tonight. And the phone lines, they're ringing. They're frustrated. Let's go right to them here on a Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. It's Mark Randy with you trying to make sense of a 130-125 Warriors loss uh, after we felt like this team had proved to us that they're different. They're not the team that blew the 22-point lead to the Clippers on the road earlier this season. Not the team that lost that, what, 16-point lead with six minutes left against the Nuggets earlier this season. Not the team that fouled or didn't foul Oklahoma City twice in the final uh, minute a final couple of seconds of regulation, went up by three when Chet Holmgren once made a three, second time didn't, but he was fouled shooting a three. Uh you felt like the Warriors had kind of put that behind them, but now we're right back to square one. 
at least that's what this game shows. Maybe they bounce back and they get a win tomorrow, but uh, this fourth quarter extremely disheartening for the Warriors. All right, to the phone lines we go, and up first here on Warriors Wrap-Up, 888-957-9570, is uh, one of our favorite YouTubers. It's Drew Down. Drew Down joins us here on Warriors Live on 95.7 The Game. What's up, Drew? How you doing? Man, I've been better. What's going on, Grandy? That's a, like, that was a know, tough loss, Drew, right? Game. Different Clippers game, same story, man. Blown double-digit lead. I thought Pajemski was, you know, was was really good for the majority of the game. I thought those um, he was two for six from the line. I thought when he missed both of those free throws after the uh, the flagrant by a Plumley, I thought that was we had a chance to kind of, you know, maybe get some momentum there. I thought missing both of those free throws were huge, and then also he kind of fumbled the. The rebound at the end. Don't want to kill him too much. He played a great game, but I thought those were a couple, couple things that you know were kind of huge in the game. And then Steph obviously was amazing. I thought he might have forced you know some things at times, had some turnovers, but you know all in all, you know Steph 40 points. You know I can't I can't really complain about that too much. I thought that you know the Devs missed a ton of layups. You know at the rim, uh, Draymond especially. I thought Zubac definitely you know changed a lot of shots. And then Clay. Play, you know, he was good the other night. He was really bad tonight. Outside of a small stretch, I want to say in the fourth, he made a few shots, and and that foul at the end of the game. I mean, there's no words that can describe it. It was just, I mean, we still had a chance. We had a stop. We could have got a rebound, but that foul there was just, you know, Kerr basically went down on two knees. Yeah. It was just, it, that was that was tough to watch. And then I I thought that Clay just played too many minutes. He obviously, you know, wasn't you didn't have it tonight. I thought we should, could have seen more Moody. Moody played great in his minutes. GP2, I don't know where, you know, I don't know why their minutes were so low. I felt like they definitely should have got a little more run. And then uh, where was where was TJD at? This, the the Clippers were, were cooking. Uh, they, they outscored us in the paint. The free throws, 37 to 18. I thought we could have used, you know, maybe at least give them a look. You know, Looney played okay. Sarich was absolutely a non-factor tonight. So I'm surprised TJD couldn't even sniff the court. Um, and, and then Russell Westbrook, he, he definitely got about four offensive rebounds. He just kept sneaking in and getting some extra possessions for them. So it was just, yeah, just a tough loss. And, and it's sad to say, but, you know, it's been the same story against the Clippers for, for, you know, the last, I think, three times we played them. Double-digit leads, 20-point, 15-point leads in fourth quarter. Bad defense, you know, drive to the paint, dribble penetration, kickouts for three offensive rebounds. So, this was a, a chance for the Warriors to, you know, really get some momentum and, and climb up the standings going into the uh, the break. And they got a tough game, a back-to-back in in Utah. I know we beat them the other day, but a back-to-back in Utah, it's not going to be easy. So a real missed opportunity for the Warriors tonight. And let, let, let's see what they got left in the tank for tomorrow. Thanks, Grandy. Yeah, thanks, Drew. I think you're spot on with a lot there. Uh, you know, the, the Clay Thompson decision – uh, to foul, uh, you're right, Steve Kerr standing on the sideline, like right behind Clay Thompson where he committed the foul. Uh, once the whistle blew, like hands on his head, goes down to a knee or a couple of knees, and I think you could read his lips as well. Uh, like, Jesus Christ, like how could you do something like that? Like bad, bad, bad decision by Clay Thompson in a really key moment. Not to say that that guaranteed lost the Warriors the game but you know the Warriors get a stop in that situation there's plenty of time on the clock you get a stop and you could get a three to tie the game force overtime you go for a quick two then play the foul game who knows uh it didn't absolutely lose the Warriors the game or at the very least it didn't turn a loss or it didn't turn a win into a loss uh but it certainly made uh, it much 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 more difficult for the Warriors and that's not a mistake that a veteran should be making if that's Pajemski, maybe you can understand it. If it's Kaminga, maybe you can understand it. You get a little over-eager and you foul. Maybe you think you're down four instead of three. Maybe you think there's less time on the clock, whatever the reason. That's not something that a veteran of Clay Thompson's status should should be making, uh, that, that kind of decision. And Drew is right. Clay did make a couple of shots in the fourth quarter, and they were steadying shots. They were big shots because the run for the Clippers kind of began late in the third. They hit the buzzer-beating three. They're feeling a little bit better about themselves. Clay opens up the fourth by making a three. Then he makes a nice pump fake three, step in off the dribble, mid-range jumper. I think Clay should really be utilizing that mid-range jumper a little bit more than he has. He makes those two shots, but other than that, 
He was relatively nowhere to be found on offense this game. After making those two to begin the fourth, he went 0 for 4 the rest of the quarter. And in the game, Clay Thompson was 4 for 14. 4 for 14, 1 of 9 from downtown, 12 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assists. Just not going to cut it. Just not going to cut it. Uh, a bad Clay Thompson game, uh, that's for sure. And I, I don't necessarily want to you know dwell too too long on um a bad shooting night because that happens every once in a while and it happens every so often bad shooting months happen bad shooting seasons happen and I think Clay you have seen at times a concerted effort at him to to kind of pull back just a little bit and and take stock of who he is as a player but um today certainly was a bad one and I think maybe you could you could you know point a finger more so at that decision to foul as opposed to uh, the bad shooting night because that is more controllable uh, the foul and the decision that he made in that moment. I also think Drew brought up a good point uh, with all the the offensive rebounds the Clippers were getting. Uh, uh, Russell Westbrook specifically, he had three offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter alone three of his four offensive rebounds were in the fourth one of them was off of a Mason Plumlee missed free throw he came soaring in for the dunk no one got in his way and he had an easy putback dunk two points right there um so as Drew mentioned you're getting beat on the glass you're getting uh, you're, you're fouling and you're putting the Clippers on the line all the time in that fourth quarter the Clippers in this game 30. Uh, seven free throw attempts in this game. 37 free throw attempts after only three in the first quarter, by the way. So 34 over the final three quarters. 34 free throw attempts over the final three quarters for the Clippers. 15 of them came in the fourth. 13 made free throws in the fourth. The Warriors had two in the fourth quarter. That's an 11-point difference at the line in the final 12 minutes. Warriors lose this game by five. You can look at the free throw discrepancy in that fourth quarter as a reason why the Warriors lost. So, how do you maybe get a little bit stronger in the paint? You, you help yourself out on the boards? Maybe you go to a different big that hadn't seen the floor yet, and that's Trace Jackson Davis. And considering how how great he played uh, in limited action again last time out, what was that on on uh, on Monday in Utah? Uh, he had a great run in the second half of that game. Um, a little perplexing how he doesn't at least get a look in this game. But that's the reality of the Warriors situation as well. I mean, Chris Paul isn't even back. Whose minutes is Chris Paul going to take? Like, there's a lot of guys on this team that aren't going to get the minutes that it feels like they deserve and should. Um, now, I'm not making an excuse for Steve Kerr and his rotation decisions, but that is the reality of this Warriors team, night in and night out. If they're healthy, there's going to be someone on the bench who could have contributed who didn't get the chance. Tonight it was Trace Jackson Davis, and maybe he could have helped the Warriors got the win, uh, earn the win, but... Uh, he didn't, he didn't play. He didn't get off the bench at all. All right, back to the phones we go on Warriors wrap-up on 95-7 the game. Mark Randy with you as the Warriors fall to the Clippers 130-125. to 125. Up next is Matt in San Jose. What's up, Matt? You're on 95-7 the game. How you doing? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm doing good. I just wanted to let you know I'm hitting that thumbs up on YouTube. Uh, I'm Thank on you, Instagram, man. Uh, pushing that hard pushing that heart button because you guys you guys have my heart on Valentine's Day because even though I'm upset, I'm hanging with the old lady, you know, I'm, I'm upset about the, the Warriors. Uh, but you guys, uh, you guys uh, boost up my spirits. So uh, I had a quick question for you. It's relating to Clay Thompson. I just feel like he's getting too many minutes. I kind of wanted to kind of get on the backpack uh, with you guys about, you know, it, TJD should have played uh, a little bit. Uh, Clay Thompson – 30 minutes, like you said, one for nine on the threes. I'm wondering why he's still starting, and I wanted to see if maybe you could just uh, add to that. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Matt, and appreciate the love. Really do. Happy Valentine's Day as well. Um, I think the reason why Clay Thompson is still starting is, you know, we can overreact to a game like this, and I know there's been a handful of these. I I honestly feel like Clay has been playing a little bit better than we give him credit for. I, I think he's kind of the the popular and and the hot guy to jump on and and to uh, I don't know not to tear down, but and I, I shooting is one thing, but the decision to foul is another. That's that's way harder to excuse. 
Um, but Clay Thompson is starting because he is he's won four championships. He's a perennial all-star in his prime, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and Steve Kerr is riding with his veterans. And that's been Steve Kerr's M.O. all season. Uh, maybe you feel like the Warriors should start Brandon Pajemski instead of Clay Thompson. And Pajemski was incredible tonight. 9 of 12 from the field, 5 of 5 from downtown, scored 25 points, had 7 rebounds, 8 assists. Like Brandon, the rookie, was amazing. So maybe you feel like the Warriors should start Pajemski. Now I will say, we've seen Steve Kerr pull Clay Thompson. I mean, how many times recently? It was one of the stories of the last road trip. Did not close against Memphis. Did not close against the Nets. In the locker room post-game talking about how difficult that is for him. Like, to Steve Kerr's credit, we are seeing um, him adjust those maybe preconceived notions about who Clay Thompson is. Now, maybe just the the next step of that is saying, all right, Clay, you know what? Until you prove us otherwise, you're not starting anymore. And maybe that decision is coming. Now, I will say, uh, to answer our caller's question, I mean, before tonight, it's not like Clay was shooting lights out every single game, but the Warriors had won five in a row. They've been playing, they've, been, they've won seven of eight. They've been playing great offensively and defensively since like January 27th, the best defensive rating in the NBA. And I know Clay is not near the defender that he once was, but Clay's still a part of that. And while being one of the best defenses in the NBA during that stretch, still putting up a number of points as a team offensively. So, I mean, if the team is is playing like that, you're not going to go around changing anything. And one game is not going to necessitate a major change. Um, But if this is something that becomes the norm again, as it was earlier in the season, perhaps we we see Steve Kerr making another decision like that. Um, But I don't think it's coming next game, tomorrow night. I don't think it's coming out of the All-Star break immediately. It's going to have to be an issue, I think, consistently. And I know a lot of you are going to be upset at me and, well, it's already been an issue, right? I don't think Clay has been as bad as a lot of people like to say. Now, tonight was bad. Tonight was bad. I, I'm not denying that. 12 points, 4 of 14 from the field, 1 of 9 from downtown. Committed a really, really, really rough foul in the final minute with his team down three, putting the Clippers on the line. While you, when all you had to do was play out the 24 seconds, get a stop, get the ball back, give the ball to Steph, and maybe you go to OT. It was bad. It was bad. And – I'm trying to get inside the mind of Steve Kerr as opposed to giving you what I feel like the Warriors should do. But if if the question is, is Clay going to come out of the starting lineup? I can I can tell you pretty confidently, not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. Now, would it have been better for Steve Kerr to not play Clay Thompson 30 minutes tonight? Yes, of course. And maybe the Warriors win. 4 of 14 from the field committed that bad foul at the end. But... That's not what Steve Kerr has ever proven to you that, that, that he's going to do. So I, I think it would be foolish to expect it to happen after this bad game, considering that the Warriors have been playing great basketball, their best basketball of the season up to this point. So I don't know what else to say about that other than it was a really, really bad game and the Warriors might win if he's just a little bit better. That was that was rough for Clay Thompson today. All right, back to the phone lines we go. 888-957-9570 as Warriors wrap-up continues. Up next is John in Modesto. I know John also wants to talk about Clay Thompson. John, what's up? You're on 95.7 The Game. So my big issue is the definition of insanity. We could, if, To your point earlier, you'd mentioned that Clay hasn't been closing the games, hasn't been closing the games recently. In fact, some of the games that he didn't start for, you know, those are the games that they actually won. But part of the issue for me is we're repeating the same thing over and over, and the defense is not there. He is he is basically leaving his man, overhelping, leaving things open. There was a point in that game where he went he went he tried to go underneath Paul George, right, and. And, and gave Paul George an N1, and what was he trying to do, right? So these are some of the bonehead plays, and I'm sorry, right? I know he's done a lot for, for this team over the long haul, but, I mean, he, he's not doing the same. The effort's not there, or it's sporadic. And 
he should be not closing, but he closed again tonight, and guess what the result was? So, yeah, that's all I have to say. I, I got you, John. I got you. I mean, are we forgetting what he did in Utah literally two nights ago? 26 points, 11 of 19 from the field, 3 of 7 from downtown. He was, until Steph went nuclear nuclear in the fourth, he was your best offensive player all night in Utah. Like, that's that's the case. And, and maybe the adjustment for Steve Kerr is to treat it more night to night. Like, you can't make a long-term decision on any player on this team. Maybe other than Steph Curry because he's Steph Curry and still one of the best players in the NBA and one of the greatest players to ever play this game. But, like, last time out, Clay was great. He was great. And the reality, maybe, of Clay Thompson at this point in his career is just it's not there on a consistent night-to-night basis anymore. So the answer is, Steve, all right, let's, let's, let's coach this on a night-to-night basis. After, you know, at half, you know, after every quarter, after every stretch of play for Clay, take a look, think about it. Do you want to put him back in his normal rotation? Do you want to play him as normal minutes? Do you want him to close? And again, Steve Kerr has been doing that. He has not just blindly been putting him in closing lineups. Now, tonight he closed. Was that a bad decision? Probably. Okay, so maybe we say, hey, Steve, tonight was the wrong decision. But hey, Steve made the right decision Two nights ago in Utah, I I think where this gets a little bit unfair, and I know I'm in the my, minority in this, and I, I know I'm probably going to get yelled at on YouTube for this, and the callers are, are going to be upset. We don't get, we don't give Clay and, and, and Kerr the credit for when they make the right decisions and when they help you win a game. We only yell at them and, and railroad them on a night like tonight. And I get it. That's the nature of fandom. But we got to, one, we're talking about Clay Thompson's performance tonight and and Steve Kerr's decision to leave him in the game. It is a pointless argument, and I'm not going to make it without the context of what happened on Monday when Clay was phenomenal. Again, 26 points, 11 of 19 from the field. Uh, the, the game before, the one-point win in Phoenix, Clay only played 24 minutes. Guess why? Because he was shooting two for ten. Steve made the decision, hey, Clay, you're not you're not at your best. I'm going to scale back your minutes. The game before he played that, the win in Philadelphia on the road trip, he was 6 of 12, 4 of 5 from downtown. Much better. He played 28 minutes. The game before in Brooklyn, he played 30 but didn't close. 4 for 9 from the field. Like, I think we are overreacting to this bad game from Clay, and I'm not, I'm not saying it wasn't bad. It was bad. It was bad, and the foul at the end was a decision that it's and it's it's inexcusable for a veteran of his stature. But we, when we're having these conversations, we also have to recognize that this is a night-to-night player now, and last time out he was really good, and that's fresh in Steve Kerr's mind, although he wasn't the coach in that game. He watched the game, of course, and he knows what happened. And Clay was rewarded for his play last time out, and it might have cost the Warriors. If we're assigning blame for this game, okay, maybe we give it to Clay, maybe we give it to Steve Kerr for playing him. That's understandable. But I understand why he was given the leeway, even though it did hurt them tonight. I hope that makes sense because I can guarantee you that is what is running through Steve Kerr's mind. And maybe you disagree with the result. Maybe you disagree with the process. But I'm just telling you that's how the Warriors are thinking about this on a night-to-night basis. I get it. I get it. All right, back to the phones we go. 888-957-9570 as the Warriors fall to the Clippers 130-125. to A disappointing loss for the Warriors. I think the other thing that we got to talk about here, and I will go back to the phones. Daniel, I'm coming to you next. I get the the foul decision by Clay and, and some of the missed shots. Putting this loss entirely on Kerr, or pardon me, entirely on Clay, or at least Kerr's decision to leave Clay in the game, it lets everybody else off the hook. That was a team loss in the fourth quarter. That was a bad effort across the board. And saying this is only on Clay, I'm sorry, I'm not having it. It was on everybody in the fourth quarter. 44 points allowed. You can't defend without fouling in the fourth quarter. You commit four turnovers in that fourth quarter. That's not just Clay. That is not just Clay. 
It is everybody. It was a team-wide disappointment in the fourth quarter. All right, back to the phones, as promised. Daniel in Indiana is up next. Daniel, what's up? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up here on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, brother? So, I uh, watch, watching this game, you know, after the last game, after the last several games, watching the youth rotation come in, uh, spell the old dogs, give them some, some time on the bench to, to breathe, um, bring in energy. This team tonight just looked exhausted, mentally exhausted. They were making errors in the fourth quarter like crazy. Uh, and I just don't think that they had the, that energy. Last game, we talked about how we were awesome from 1 to 17. Uh, but, you know, from, from first guy to the 17th guy. But then tonight we run a six-man rotation pretty much all night long. And, you know, as far as Clay goes, you know, he's shooting 37% for, for three. But if you watch him, it's when he's uh, – his body is, is drifting left to right or, you know, uh, he's, back, he's like backpedaling as he's shooting a three. He needs to be set. I mean, even Kobe said that his his head was too big and he had to shoot it, you know, uh, he had to keep his head steady to be able to, to shoot it straight. You know, so I think I, I think that's a correlation that I noticed. But but anyway, I just wanted to say, man, the, these guys, you know, like we forgot about Gary Payton after uh, after like quarter three. We, uh, you know, didn't play Trace Jackson Davis or anybody with any sort of youth and energy. And those guys were tired. I mean, they they were slow. They were sluggish. They were tired. You know, you, you can't you can't defend when you don't have legs. You have to be in the squatted position. You have to be down. You know that. So that's 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 my take on it. I just noticed that those guys like why did we go away from that rotation? Maybe uh, the assistant coach needs to handle the rotations from here on out. Yeah, Daniel, I think you bring up a good point about Gary Payton the second. Um, I mean, whenever he's in there, good things happen, and it's been that way since second one when he was a Warrior. Uh, he brings energy. There was a moment in the first half where Steph uh, is making a three, and he's he's wide open, so GP2 has confidence going in. And you see GP2, who's in the game at the time. He's not just celebrating on the bench. He's in the game, standing further down the right wing from Steph, and he's like doing he's like shimmying as Steph is putting up the shot. He brings that energy. He brings the good vibes. Uh, and generally speaking, good things happen when he's on the court. Um, and I agree with you. I was kind of wondering where he was in the second half. Uh, as as Daniel pointed out and, and some of our callers earlier pointed out, uh, it's also a question of uh, where was Trace Jackson Davis? Was this uh, a Steve Kerr decision that was made before the game we know we know that has happened before it's happened with Jonathan Kaminga earlier this season it's happened with Moses Moody did he go up to TJD and say hey Rook just want you to know you're probably not going to play tonight Um, if that was the case it's then on Steve Kerr to adjust and say hey you know what this isn't working Westbrook is dominating us on the glass they're getting to the rim we got to get some size some athleticism some youth the one thing I will push back on a little bit, Daniel, is I didn't necessarily see the sluggishness, the them being tired, the fatigue through three quarters, and, and maybe it all caught up with them at once. That's that's certainly the case, and I think you could say that this team just didn't have the juice in the fourth quarter. But I mean, they looked they looked perfectly fine through three. It looked like another ho hum Warriors win as it has been for the last two weeks through three quarters. Now the fourth quarter was an entirely different situation. Um, but they looked fine through three, and that probably was also part of the reason why Steve Kerr decided, uh, generally speaking, status quo for the fourth. And you know what? We're going to hear from Steve Kerr coming up in just a little bit on the other side, but we do have a break to get to here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Uh, we'll hear from Steve Kerr. we got a couple more calls to get to as well, and we got a lot more to talk about because, as I said, I know – Clay Thompson is the hot-button topic in this one. Uh, there was a lot of other issues in the fourth quarter. Rotations, individual players, mental lapses. Uh, Clay Thompson obviously it has his hand in a lot of those things here tonight, and, and he was bad. I'm not denying that. Uh, but there, there's other mistakes 
that need to be discussed uh, here on Warriors Wrap-Up. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Mark and Omar, you're on the way next. We will hear from Steve Kerr as well after this one. We'll see uh, how he answered some of those questions that you guys have here on Warriors Wrap-Up. That and more is coming up on the other side. The Warriors fall to the Clippers 130-125. to 125. More Warriors Wrap-Up next on 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back. Clippers beat the Warriors 130-125. to They outscore the Warriors 44-28 to in the fourth quarter alone. The Warriors had a relative, not, not super comfortable, but you had a decent lead. The Warriors were up. 106-94 to with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're up by 12 points. The Clippers then go on a 36-19 to run to close the game. Uh, they immediately uh, get, put up a 10-0 run to get back within two. But in all, in the final nine minutes after the Warriors led by 12, the Clippers outscore the Warriors 36-19 to down the stretch. Uh, offensive rebounding by Russell Westbrook, specifically three of his four offensive rebounds were in the fourth quarter, including a putback off a missed free throw. Free throws, by the way, the other major bugaboo for the Warriors in this one. They ultimately shot 37 free throws in this game. The Clippers did, but they did a gigantic portion of their damage from the line in the fourth quarter alone. 13 of 15 from the stripe in the fourth quarter. The Warriors only four free throw attempts in the fourth, and they missed two of them. Brandon Pajemski missed two uh, big free throws when things were feeling good for the Warriors. If you missed it, there was a scuffle on the court in the fourth quarter. It was uh, really when the Warriors were feeling their best. Uh, They were up by double digits. Things were going their way. It felt like the Warriors were going to cruise to their sixth straight win. Uh, And it was Mason Plumlee down low. Uh, who couldn't get a shot to fall, wanted a foul, didn't get the whistle, looked like maybe it could could have been a foul, could 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 have been a no-call. It was a no-call. Uh, Pajemski ends up with the rebound, and Plumley in frustration, goes over, hacks him, gets called for the foul, and then in more frustration, kind of hacks him for a second time, which was a relatively hard hit, but didn't get him in the head or the neck area. And then kind of one more swing, but it was softer and didn't connect nearly as strongly He gets called for the personal foul, and then in addition, a technical foul on top of that, or a flagrant one on top of that. Ty Lue got called for a technical, his second of the game. He got ejected for those two tees. And then Kaminga came over and kind of gave Plumlee a soft shove in the back, and he got called for a technical for that as well. So the technical on Kaminga, the technical on Ty Lue offset, uh, and then the two free throws for the Warriors from the Plumlee flagrant one were taken by Pajemski. He missed them both, and that's kind of when the game turned. But up to that point, it felt like the, the vibes were high for the Warriors. The Warriors were getting into the Clippers' heads, much like Draymond Green did uh, to the Suns and to Yusuf Nurkic in the Warriors' last home game over the weekend. Uh, but then the things all Came tumbling down for the Warriors in the final like nine-ish minutes of that fourth quarter when, again, the Clippers outscored the Warriors 36-19 to after the Warriors had a 12-point advantage, and they fall in a game that it's kind of interesting because it feels like, oh, here we go again. We've, we've heard this story. We've read this story before. We know what's coming. But it also feels a little bit foreign because the Warriors have been so opposite of what this fourth quarter was over the last two weeks. Uh, so it's almost like deja vu, but it's also like, do I remember this? Because it had been uh, a while from when this last happened to the Warriors, but it happened again. The Warriors blow another double-digit lead. Uh, the Warriors have blown now six leads Uh, of 15 or more points, the second most in the NBA. The only team who has blown more such leads, the Spurs, Uh, seven of them. And they have a much larger pile of losses to choose from, right? Like the percentage of the Warriors' losses that have been uh, from 15-point leads is much higher than the Spurs' percentage of losses that have been from 15-point leads because the Spurs are one of the worst teams in the NBA. Uh, The Warriors are sitting at 506 of their losses or when they had a 15 or more point lead at any point in the game. And that is a tough pill to swallow if you're a team like the Warriors, 
who legitimately uh, has ideas of trying to compete. Whether or not you feel like that's attainable, they feel that way. Uh, and they have six losses uh, when trailing by 15 or more points. All right, Warriors wrap up here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy with you. Let's go back out to the phone lines, 888-957-9570. Up next is Mark in Berkeley. What's up, Mark? You're on 95.7 The Game. How you doing? Uh, I think uh, we lost a lot more than we know when we lost our coach to Sacramento defensively, and I don't think Kerr's doing the job on defense. Earlier in the game, the Beard was the only one making points. He could have called timeout and put somebody on him. He just doesn't do stuff like that. It's almost like he likes to see duels between the offense. And when you have a run-and-shoot team, you live and die by it. And everything the guy from Indiana said, I agree with about the bench and all that. And you can't, I love seeing Curry score all those points, but that's, it's a team sport. We've got to get everyone involved. And we got to play better defense. I don't see why there wasn't a big man in there at the end. He should have had some other players. I don't know why he does that. He's thinking about something. I don't know, watching these guys. They were tired in the fourth quarter. That's all I have to say. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Um, I, I do, and this is something that I wrote down in my notes. I have it right here in front of me. Um, first of all, it's that the loony minutes in the second half were not good. That is when the Clippers began to kind of put a run together. And then Steve Kerr moved off of Looney, uh, but the run continued because the Clippers were dominating the paint, they were getting offensive rebounds, and they were drawing fouls. Um, So if the Looney minutes aren't working and you feel like you are at a disadvantage in terms of size and ability to defend down low and grab rebounds, and again, Looney isn't an option, um, Draymond as the five isn't working in that particular instance, you don't have another option but to turn to TJD unless you want to go to Sharich. But, I mean, we all know Sharich is not going to be the guy if you're looking for, you know, the grittiness down low. Sharich in his role is is fine. Um, but you're not going to him for help defensively, for help uh, on the glass, for help defending without fouling. Your only legitimate option, if you feel like you need to be bigger, and you don't trust Looney because that stretch of ball was not good, is TJD. Um, so if you have a, a potential gripe in this one, uh, I don't blame you. I, I think it is. You, you got to be a little bit more flexible with rotations and decisions um, and minutes and, and maybe go against your decision pregame, which was this isn't a game for TJD. Um, and, and maybe you got to go to him and give him some minutes because the Warriors are in a stretch right now where they've played a ton of basketball of late. They have a back-to-back tomorrow, and Steve Kerr, who we will hear from in just a little bit, has said um, that he expects all the veterans to be to be available tomorrow in Utah on the back-to-back before the Warriors go on the All-Star break. Um, maybe this was a game to get some fresh young legs in there that could help you defend and counter some of the things that were going against you in the fourth. I think Steve Kerr, if he was asked that question, would say something along the lines of, well, he's cold. He's been sitting on the bench all game. Uh, maybe the follow-up question would be, well, what other choice do you have? Because what is out there isn't isn't really working. All right, back to the phones we go. Warriors wrap-up continues here on 95.7 The Game. Up next is Omar in Oakland. Omar, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing good, my brother. I want to say, um, you know, Stani and Guru, they know me. I'm not even a Warrior fan. I'm a Celtics fan. I'm still hurt over the 2022 finals. <laughs> but uh, I love Clay Thompson, though, because I'm a shooter. I play ball, traveled. It's not about me, but I love the way Clay played. And at the end of the day, I don't like the way he's getting thrown under the bus. And I blame Steve Kerr to some degree because he's 34 years old, ACL, Achilles. Went through a lot of stuff mentally, physically, and spiritually, and I know he battled some stuff. And at the end of the day, he's still averaging like 18 points as a third option. So he shouldn't get all this blame because he's 34 years old. I mean, what? It's not a lot of 34-year-old shooters that had great, you know, production at this age, like Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, and he's a top-five shooter. And I feel like Jonathan Kaminga has to take a bigger step because he's 20, 21, and him and Wiggins, they're not doing as much. And I like I like Podoneski. He's a good player. I would never 
bring uh, Clay Thompson off the bench because I feel like that'd be disrespectful to him. I'm I'm sorry, but even just as an NBA fan, Clay Thompson coming off the bench is I feel like that's disrespectful. And the way things are going, just looking at the outside, I feel like Clay Thompson is going to leave the Warriors unless something dramatic happens and they win a championship or make it to the Western Conference Finals. I could see Clay Thompson ending up in L.A. or the Knicks or or probably going to Portland where he grew up. I, that's what I see. I just feel like it's not going to end well the way it's gone. Yeah, I appreciate the call, Omar. Um, I think I get where you're coming from, but the Warriors can't be in the business of worrying about hurting feelings if their their goal is legitimately to try to win a championship. Um, and, you know, maybe it's disrespectful for the Warriors to not start Clay. Maybe it's disrespectful for him to not be in the closing lineup. Um, maybe it's not fair to, to be blaming him for losses. Um, but at the end of the day, um, the Warriors have to do what's best for them to win basketball games. I mean, they don't have the time. They don't have the ability. They don't have... The, the record that allows you to be patient with these sorts of things. And Steve Kerr has already been very patient with a lot, a lot of the players on his roster. Um, and I think a prime example is Andrew Wiggins. Is Andrew Wiggins. Like, Steve Kerr, maybe, maybe to a fault, was very loyal to Andrew Wiggins. And it cost the Warriors some wins early in the season, right? Like, legitimately, the Warriors lost some games early in the year because Andrew Wiggins was not playing good basketball and Steve Kerr uh, kept playing him. Um, how do you feel about Andrew Wiggins now? I guarantee you it's way different than how you felt about Andrew Wiggins a month ago, a month and a half ago, two months ago. Uh, Wiggins wasn't incredible today, but he was 4-10, made a couple of threes, was fine defensively, six rebounds, three assists, had four steals. He's playing much better basketball now. And my point is he probably is not playing like this if Steve Kerr does not give him the opportunity to play through it. Now, that situation is different than this Clay situation because we are approaching, not approaching, we're nearly at the All-Star break, and if it wasn't for the postponed game, which will now be made up tomorrow, the Warriors would be going into the All-Star break with this loss. Like, we're at go time. It's go time for the Warriors. They don't have time to keep messing around. So I get that the situation is different. All I am saying is, in Steve Kerr's mind, and I totally get the logic to this, I am going to give my veterans a leash, a longer leash than I'm giving others because the chance that they figure this thing out, first of all, it's a greater chance that they're going to figure out if you give them the court time. And second of all, if they figure it out, this team is going to be so much better than if I just planted them on the bench night after night and never gave them the chance to play through it. And this Warriors team does not have the the great players up and down the roster. they got quality players. They've got good guys, but they don't have enough of a scoring thump from others to afford to just totally punt on Klay Thompson. I know that's not what everybody is calling for, um, but I, I'm, I'm just saying the reason why, one of the reasons why Wiggins is looking better now is because of the faith that Steve Kerr showed in him. And Steve Kerr is trying to show that same faith in Klay Thompson. But again, the Warriors don't have time to keep messing around. And to Steve Kerr's credit, we have seen him change his mind and change things up. Klay Thompson is not closing every single game, every single night as a given. It has been more of a night-to-night decision. Did Steve Kerr make the wrong decision tonight? Yeah. Yeah, he probably did. I think we, we can all... Re- we can all agree on that. That's relatively logical. Uh, Clay Thompson made a, frankly, very bad decision to foul 94 feet from his own basket with the Warriors down three and 37 seconds left. And no fouls to give. That's a bad decision, and it cost the Warriors a legitimate chance at maybe forcing overtime and winning the game. So, yes, bad decision tonight. But Steve Kerr is betting on the long run, and up to this point for Clay, uh, he hasn't been proven right. 
and and maybe as you continue to progress through this season, um, Steve Kerr takes some more drastic decisions and drastic measures going forward. All right, enough talking about how Steve Kerr might answer some questions. Let's hear from Steve Kerr himself. Kerr addressed the media today after the Warriors lost to the Clippers 130-125. to Here is the Warriors head coach here on Warriors Wrap-Up. What do you think happened defensively in the fourth quarter? They're giving up, I think, 42, 43 points. What was, what was going on with your defense? Yeah, they picked us apart in the pick and roll, and we didn't adjust to it well enough. Um, you know, they got the ball into the pocket. Uh, Norm Powell got uh, several threes, you know, out of that, uh, you know, the, the pocket pass. Uh, and then we fouled them. I think they shot 15 free throws uh, in the fourth quarter, 37 for the game. So um, thought we had a really good uh, first three quarters defensively um for the most part the third quarter was was uh you know better was okay um last couple minutes of the of the third it felt like um they got loose a little bit and then they just dominated the fourth seemed like the offensive reruns i think they had six in the fourth also they seemed pretty timely how much did those kind of yeah those hurt for sure you know when we did get stops um we just couldn't come up with the ball so disappointing because our defense has been uh, very good for the last uh, few weeks and we let our guard down look like you did not want the foul when clay committed the foul yeah we didn't want to we're down three with 38 seconds um so you know it's an obvious uh, defend and no uh, you know just play it out and get a rebound and then we're it's a one possession game Coach, so uh, Clay this season performance just um, inconsistent. So you were as a shooter uh, in your career, and you have some incredible moments in your career. So you definitely understand uh, mindset and confidence as a shooter. So when a player going through like such a career challenge, what kind of role uh, should a coach play? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's, that's my job to help our guys be the best versions of themselves, and um, you know, there's different ways to do it, um, but it's mostly communication and perspective, and and then trying to to put players in the best position to find their rhythm uh, within the game. Steve, is given that you know we've seen this kind of thing happen before, does this feel like a little bit of a relapse to what happened earlier, or is this just a one-off? You think? Uh, I think this is a one-off. I think you know we played uh, we played a really solid game, 34 assists and nine turnovers. But the game got away from us defensively uh, there in the fourth. And uh, you know I'd like um, I'd like to to watch the tape and see how we can adjust better. And because they they picked us apart in that high screen, James uh, Harden was fantastic tonight. And uh, and we just couldn't corral him in that fourth quarter. And as I said, um, you know they. Uh, they took advantage in every way, offensive boards, um, you know, getting to the rim. We fouled them. We fouled, a, uh, you know, fouled James on that three-point shot, which was a big play. And so, like I said, we, we lost uh, control of the game defensively, and I don't think um, we adjusted well enough either as a coaching staff. You heard it from Steve Kerr there at the end. Uh, you get picked apart by the James Harden screen and roll, the pick and roll time and time and time again. It's a reason why they were getting open threes. It's a reason why they were – uh, getting to the free throw line, and uh, Steve Kerr said you heard it from him himself. Uh, the coaching staff did not adjust well enough. Um, maybe the follow-up was, well, what should have those adjustments have been? Uh, maybe it is a rotation change. Maybe it is um, not playing the the Curry, Pajemski, Clay, three-man guard lineup. While it is, I think, generally speaking, pretty effective offensively, I had, you're asking the others defensively out there, whether it's Wiggins and Draymond or Kaminga and Draymond or whatever the other two are, you're asking a ton, a ton defensively from those guys when it is uh, Steph Curry, Brandon Pajemski, and Clay Thompson. So if, you know, the, the answer from Steve Kerr was, well, we didn't adjust enough to what the Clippers were doing in the fourth, maybe the adjustment is uh, going Steph Curry, Brandon Pajemski, um, Wiggins, Kaminga, Draymond. Maybe it is the starting five. Take Clay out if he's having a poor offensive game, and we know he's not the same guy defensively. Maybe it is, um, you know, sit out Wiggins in in this closing lineup and play Steph, Pajemski, uh, Kaminga, Draymond, and Trace Jackson Davis get a little bit bigger. Maybe that's the adjustment. It, it did feel like there was 
a change that needed to happen for the Warriors, and for whatever reason, that change didn't happen. Uh, and it might have cost the Warriors this one. The other interesting thing um, that the Warriors, or that Steve Kerr just said there, uh, is he was asked by Monty Poole of NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, do you feel like this was a relapse? I think we're all thinking that, right? This felt like a loss straight out of that homestand from hell. Like, what was that, a couple of month and a half ago? Uh, in January, when the Warriors, they had the five-game win streak right, which is what the Warriors were sitting on entering the day. Uh, you lost on Christmas in Denver, although it was, frankly, a, a pretty good effort. Uh, and you were in that game all the way to the end on Christmas against the defending NBA champs. And then you come home for that seven-game homestand. On that homestand, you have um, the rough loss to Denver when you led by like 16 points with six minutes left. You lose that game in regulation, mind you. You get absolutely run out of the gym on consecutive games by the Raptors and Pelicans. Uh, and you go, what, 2-5 and five in that seven-game homestand? Like, it felt like this game fit with that era of this Warriors team. Um, but Steve Kerr saying, no, it's a one-off. And I guess what else is he going to say? Uh, he, he He's the head coach of the team, and he's not going to say this is a relapse. We're right back to square one. Um, but I think that's the fear of fear that I have. I, I think it's the fear that a lot of you guys have. Yeah, uh, Rebellious on the YouTube chat, uh, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, says, yes, a relapse, not a one-off. Not a one-off, excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the fear of Warrior fans watching this one. It felt like deja vu. It felt like, well, um, the five-game win streak, winners of seven of eight, the last two weeks hasn't really topped this team much because uh, they're still having a hard time uh, closing out closing out games in this one. Um, I think the defense is a major issue. One of our callers earlier, I think it was – was it Omar? I can't remember. Maybe it was it was Mark in Berkeley. I, I'm I apologize. I can't remember which caller mentioned it. Um, whenever I hear the the Mike Brown, he was the defensive coordinator for the Warriors ever since he left. The Warriors have been terrible defensively. The Warriors were fine defensively last year um, without Mike Brown. Um, the Warriors have been the best defense in the NBA since January 27th. Best defense in the league. Defensive rating, best defensive rating in the NBA since January 27th. Now, the fourth quarter tonight was terrible. It was really, really bad, specifically in the fourth quarter. In fact, the first half was fine. The Warriors only allowed, if I can do this math in my head, 52 points in the first half. That's really good for the Warriors. And, and one of the questions that I had for you guys, I, I like to write down as, as I'm watching games, questions that come to mind as I'm watching. And one of the questions that I had was, is the Warriors' defense a mirage or can it stay? Like, is this who they are now? Now, the fourth quarter kind of erases all of that. But, I mean, for a half and for two and a half, almost three full quarters, the Warriors' defense was, wasn't just not bad. It was pretty good in this game. Now, I know the Clippers are without Kawhi and all of that, but it, it wasn't that bad through two-plus quarters. Um, now, it doesn't excuse the fourth, of course. Um, but just as a blanket statement saying this is a terrible Warriors defense and they miss Mike Brown, I think you're kind of missing the flow of the season. Um, and I will also say, are the Kings a good defensive team? Mike Brown's their head coach. If he's the this key to the Warriors' defensive success, you can say the same for him and the Kings, right? Uh, the Kings and the Warriors, defensive ratings, the Kings 116.1, the Warriors 116.3. Uh, so, like, almost exactly the same as the defensive rating so far this season. By the way, both are bottom half of the NBA. The Kings 18th best, the Warriors 20th. So, not great for either, but it's not like Mike Brown is having uh, a terrible success defensively with the Kings either, and I get it. You know, there's there's different personnel on on these two teams. But when you consider the Warriors have been without Draymond Green for a lot of the year, Andrew Wiggins looked like he forgot to play, forgot how to play basketball for the first portion of the season. Clay Thompson, who you previously leaned on as uh, your best perimeter defender, clearly is not the defender that he once was. Like it's it's understandable why this Warriors team was bad defensively early in the year. 
They've been much better lately, and I'm not going to overreact to, to one one poor defensive quarter. And it was very poor, but it, after all, it was just one quarter for the Warriors. But it, it, it as as we have already talked about, and as I see a lot of people on the YouTube chat saying right now, um, this did feel like a relapse. It felt like something uh, we've seen the Warriors do before. And it, and it was it was not good. All right, a uh, few minutes left here on a Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. Uh, a text from the 925 on the Comcast business. Text line 888-957-9570. Uh, talking about the leash that Steve Kerr has for his veterans, I think specifically for Clay Thompson. It's been 50 games. How longer, how much longer is he going to let that leash uh, be loose? That's a fair question. Um, and it is getting to a point where the Warriors need to stack wins, which is why the last two weeks has been so well-timed for the Warriors. And you have two weeks of good play, and suddenly you're right back in the playoff picture. Like, that's how tight things are in the West. Uh, but if this continues to be – if if this is who Clay Thompson is tomorrow night, if he struggles out of the All-Star break, um, then I, I do think we will see that leash uh, be tightened a little bit uh, moving forward um, because the Warriors are getting to a point where, all right, you're approaching, like, do or die time. The Warriors have played 52 games. They're 26 and 26. You played 52 games, which means you have 30 games left. 30 games left. You're 26 and 26. You're 14 and 14 at home. Uh, Warriors are 14 and 14 at home, 12 and 12 on the road. They're nothing if not consistent this season, although of late it feels incredibly inconsistent uh, because of what they uh, did the last two weeks and, and how they followed it up today. All right. Uh, Warriors wrap up here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy with you. We do have to hand out our hardest worker of the game, which is brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. Are you looking for a career in law enforcement? Learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. A relatively easy decision for me. Uh, I guess that you could go one of two ways. For the history that Brandon Pajemski made tonight, though, I will go with Brandon Pajemski over Steph Curry. I do want to talk about Curry here in just a moment before we do sign off. Pajemski was great tonight. 25 points, 9 of 12 from the field, 5 of 5 from downtown. He did leave 4 points at the free throw line, though, and they were big ones, 2 of 6 from the stripe. Also 7 rebounds and 8 assists. Only committed 1 turnover and had a steal. 25 points off the bench for Brandon Pajemski. By the way, he is the first player in NBA history with 25 or more points, 5 or more rebounds, 5 or more assists, 5 or more made threes while shooting 100% from deep off the bench in a single game. So some history there for Pajemski, 25-plus points, 5-plus rebounds, 5-plus assists, 5 or more threes, did not miss a three and came off the bench the first time in NBA history. He's also been on fire from downtown after struggling to shoot the ball from deep earlier. Bajemski had gone 10 games without multiple threes in a single game. He was 3 for 25 in that span. Over his last three games, he's now made 9 of his last 12. So he is shooting lights out and playing really good basketball tonight uh, was uh uh, one of those examples as well. That is, again, our hardest worker of the game, Brandon Pajemski, brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. Uh, quickly, before we do get on out of here, I mean, we haven't really talked about what Steph Curry did tonight. Just another 41 points for Steph, 15 for 31 from the field, 9 of 19 from downtown. He kind of chucked a few up there down the stretch because the Warriors needed threes. They needed them in a hurry, uh, but he was really good in this game as well. Uh, Steph is the first player in NBA history with seven or more made threes in four consecutive games. His last four games, 11 made threes, 9 made threes, 7 made threes, 7 made threes. Over four games, that is what, uh, 20 plus four, 34 made threes over three games for, or over four games for Steph. He's been incredible. And how about this stat? Only 152 players have ever made seven or more threes in a game four or more times. 
Only 152 players have ever made seven or more threes in a game four or more times in NBA history. Steph has done it in four straight games and now 130 times in his career. Nobody else has done it more than 48 times. Again, 152 players have made seven or more threes in a game uh, four or more times. Steph has done it in four straight games and 130 times in his career. Nobody else has done it more than 48 times. That is the greatness of Stephen Curry, which is what makes this loss so frustrating for the Warriors. You get a great Stephen Curry game. You uh, dish out 34 assists. You only turn the ball over nine times. And you find a way to lose because the defense let you down in the fourth quarter. The final score, 130-125. to 125. All right, that'll do it for Warriors wrap-up here on 95-7 the game. A frustrating loss for the Warriors, uh, but they have a chance to flush this one quick as they travel back to Utah tonight. They got a back-to-back at home tonight in Utah tomorrow, and then they get the all-star break. The Warriors play tomorrow and then are off until the following Thursday, so a week between games, and they would love to go into the all-star break with a win, and if they can do that, you're still feeling good about yourselves going into the break despite the frustrating loss tonight. Uh, The Warriors have that opportunity to do that tomorrow in Utah. Tip-off is set for 6 from Utah. That means pregame coverage with Warriors Live begins at 5. It will be Willard and Dibs with you at 5 on Warriors Live. I will have Warriors wrap-up once again tomorrow night, so looking forward to that. Hopefully the Warriors can close the unofficial halfway point of the season with the win against the Jazz in Utah. All right, thanks to everyone um, for Uh, involving yourself in the broadcast, in the show here tonight. Appreciate all the comments on the YouTube chat, the calls as well, and on the Comcast business text line. Thank you so much. Also, shout-out to Sterling Bennett across the glass. My name is Mark Granny. signing off. The Warriors fall tonight to the Clippers, 130-125, to but they're back in action tomorrow. Coverage beginning at 5 right here on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.